Welcome, beautiful world, to Barbarian Noetics, the podcast dedicated to the human spirit. I'm your host, Conan Tanner. Welcome back to Barbarian Noetics, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, this episode, we are going to finish up the Mona Morrissey story, part three. I'm very excited to finish up the tale. Uh, we pick up where we left off in part two, where she's at the uh, quote-unquote sinners camp for gay girls. And um, there's some twists and turns I won't give away. And uh, I really love the... There is no real ending to this story because the story is continuous. It's ongoing because it's, you know, Mona's life. And um, she's starting her own podcast. It's going to be called The Exorcism of Us. It's just a continuation of her story because it, it's not something that just continuation of her story because it, it's not something that just ties up with a neat little bow and then is over. Um, it's a it's an experience, the experience of her life um, as it continues to unfold. And I just find all everything she talks about so universal and resonant. And um, I just really give a major shout out and big thanks to Mona for having the courage to share her story because I think the more people hear it, the better. Um, no matter where you come from, what, what your background is, age, whatever, I think it's really valuable uh, to hear her story. Um, I know that I feel definitely enriched. Uh, well, I feel enriched by knowing Mona in general, to be honest, but I also really love just sitting down with her and, and hearing her story. And, um, you know, it doesn't tie up with like a nice little neat bow at the end. Like I said, it's, it's a messy ending. You know, there's, there's some things that are really nice about where where it's at and then there's other things that are remain unresolved and i think that that is that's life you know and uh, anyone who pretends that life is something other than that i think is lying to themselves i think one of the reasons why podcasts have caught on is because we're so tired of the prepackaged situational comedy romantic comedy you know, half hour episode or two hour movie, you have the character development, then you have the little twist and turn, then you have the resolution, it's all. And it's like, I think people are kind of done with that shit because, you know, we're facing a lot of challenges in the world. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm 36. Um, my heart really goes out to people who are like 19, 20, 21 right now, because, um, you know, I'm gonna do my best, obviously, for as long as I have on this earth. But uh, we're facing some very real challenges, and I won't get into all that. I think it kind of, we all know uh, the ecological and social challenges we're facing. But it's going to require not only strength of character, but also a realness and a willingness to face the facts and see things as they are and realize that life is, is messy, and that's kind of what makes it beautiful. If everything was a situational comedy, I would off myself because, I mean, fuck. Can you imagine if life actually operated like an Everybody Loves Raymond episode? I don't even want to think about it because it makes me shiver with terror. Anyways, uh, I'm going to stop rambling. We're going to get into this podcast with Mona Morrissey, part three of her story. And again, her podcast, uh, I'll continue to plug it. Um, she's working on the first episode right now. It's going to be called The Exorcism of Us. And we're also, um, we're going to do like some collaborative projects as well, Mona and I, with our two podcasts, as well as trying to integrate more local Phoenix, Arizona podcasts as well. Uh, so stay, stay tuned for all that stuff. Very exciting. 
And as always, please spread the word and tell a friend about Barbarian Noetics, anyone who you think might be interested. Um, also, uh, feel free to email me any questions, comments, suggestions, or constructive criticisms at barbarian.noetics at gmail.com. Uh, if you send me a haiku, poem, or short story, I will read it on the air. So there you go. And thanks again for listening. Spread the word. Tell a friend. Uh, if you would please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podca podcast player platform or app you use to listen, I would be much appreciative. Um, and that's all. All right, let's get into the podcast. Much love. Peace. Everybody. Welcome back to Barbarian Noetics. Uh, I'm Conan Tanner. I'm here with Mona Morsi. We are going to continue with Mona's story. It's going to be part three of the Mona Morsi story <laughs> experience on Barbarian Noetics. Um, super excited to continue the tale. Uh, there might be some tangents. There might be, there might be some laughter. There might be some tears. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. That's so life. we'll find out. Um, just to do a quick recap for listeners, uh, where we're at in the story is... Uh, Mona was uh, forced out of the closet by her mom when her mom discovered her journals that she was exchanging with her girlfriend A. You were in middle school? At this yeah, point? I was in middle, in middle school. school. So she was forced out of the closet in middle school, uh, was, on, was homeless for mm -hmm. a little bit, mm -hmm. then uh, back into the home, uh, experienced one exorcism. 
So far. So yeah, far. In the story. One yeah. exorcism so far. And then got sent to quote unquote sinners camp with a bunch of other girls who were also sinners. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a blast. Yes. <laughs> it was awesome. And then where we're at in the camp is uh, you had just, the pastor had just done the magic magician David Blaine thing with the cross <laughs> and the, the note where you write down all your sins on the cross and then he has like little elves go and exchange it <laughs> and give it to you and say your sins have been forgiven. That's it. Uh, I think that's where we're at in the story, so we'll pick up from there. Cool, yeah. So that was an interesting uh, time. I remember, you know, when we got our papers back or you know, like we they had us go back up and grab our papers and uh, we had that forgiveness. I, you know, I remember looking around and I was like looking at the people and some of them were actually like very thankful, you know, like they really believed that they had this, this problem with them you know even though it was a whole bunch of girls who were sinners if you will who were all there most of us were there for the same reason which is if the young ones were there it's because their parents felt that they weren't living their life the best way or maybe they were gay or maybe you know whatever the case was Mm -hmm. but i i looked around and there were a few women who were older too Hmm. and they felt like this confirmation and this forgiveness was what they needed to see or to hear in order to live their life properly and you know for me that's kind of sad because you know earlier we were talking about how there are so many people who just live right now in secret or they they are not representing their true self and i feel like a lot of the women who were in that camp that was their true self you know, this was who they were, you so know. So you were witnessing people being kind of like brainwashed. Yeah, it was very cultish, 100%. I mean, it was it was almost scary to a point where you're like, are they going to bring out some juice right now? Like, are we going to have this Kool-Aid time? And then, like, are we dying? Like, it was, it was like to this... It was at this level where I was like, like dude. start talking about the Harold Bob comic? Like, what is this? Where does this end? Yeah. You know, and I'm like... You know, because I I remember the first time I think I mentioned on the other episode when I heard the voices downstairs, uh, the very first exorcism that that had taken place in my mom's home, um, I honestly thought that, like, somebody was coming upstairs and they were going to, like, sacrifice me. Like, I I literally was like, something is going to happen right now because... I heard them talking and it was very, like, clandestine in their voices and it was very just... You know, like, and this is an wasn't operation. Wasn't this, like, the middle of the night? Oh, it was, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. 2 in the morning? Oh, so, yeah. And you heard your name and stuff? Is that how you yeah. it had to do with you? Yeah, and I remember waking up. Just You know how, like, you feel something sometimes? Like, you wake yeah. up and you're like, what is it? What's happening? Something's yeah. happening. And, like, you know, my, my door was cracked a little bit, and so I, I heard something, and I, and I got up, and, like, you know, I, I can tell the voices are coming from downstairs. And I was like, dude, something's going to happen. But I remember, you know, feeling like when I was in this church camp, a lot of the same feelings i'm like you know what what is the next step and what is the what's the big bang that's going to take place here i mean is it really just prayers and is it really just you know eating and praying and then like you know coming together and praying some more and then mm-hmm. you know you telling me to list all of my sins on a piece of paper and then you putting them it's like uh, it's eat pray love without the love yeah it's yeah like eat pray yeah exactly eat pray and shit <laughs> I was like, all right, dude. <laughs> all right. That's the future <laughs> like, bestseller right there. Yeah, exactly. Crazy shit. Yeah. Um, That's mine, guys. Don't take it. <laughs> I'm writing the book. I wanted to ask of, like, what percentages are we talking in terms of the like the number of girls that were there versus the number of girls and women that you saw that actually kind of, like, bought in? Um, 
you know, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to tell because although you know I did have some conversations with some of the girls there, and you know we talked and had some fun or whatever. There was a lot of of people that really wanted to stay to themselves. Mm-hmm. It was like it was as though they were on this mission, this self mission to find who they are or who they should have been yeah okay and so that that's the key it's not because who you are is who you are i mean it's not like we're going to a rehab center because you're addicted to heroin and you have to change that so that you can save your life okay like we're talking about you changing something within your core your foundation yeah and that's not natural Mm -hmm. that's not a natural course to take and so a lot of them i think were so deep in thought and they had to believe this doctrine that they were being fed. And so it's really hard to say, like, who, who like me, was like, this is bullshit. And so mm-hmm. you kind of want to stick to yourself because I don't want to make relationships with you crazy people. Or I want to stick to myself because I don't want to make relationships with you sinners. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's really hard to say. But at the end of the day, you know, there are people, till this day, I still wonder, like, where are some of these girls at? Did some of them kill themselves because they knew that this, you know, they, that they're living a life in sin and they just couldn't stop feeling the way that they felt when they yeah. looked at a woman or maybe when they did whatever else that yeah. brought them there? You know, which I think a lot of it was mostly um, gay, gay girls. I was going to ask. Yeah, like I think the majority of it was just yeah. um, lesbians. It was all, all women with the exception of a couple of the male pastors because obviously, I mean, who who's going to guide us if it's not a man Ugh. speaking the word of God? Far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's like, so with the exception of that, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but did I tell you that my aunt went with me? Um, I don't. I thought that she drove you. There. Yeah. So my so my mom and my aunt drove, and I thought I was gonna be like left by myself. But my aunt apparently was one of the people working within the church. Oh, so she was one of the David Blainers. Oh, dude, she off. was a David Blainer. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is my this is my mom's sister. Okay. And so there was a couple times where she was like in the background, like she didn't spend a lot of time with me because I I think, I think it was, and I and I sort of came to this understanding afterwards, but it was understood that she that i would find comfort in her because she's a familiar face yeah and so they wanted me to feel alone because you know if you feel alone then you're going to realize that this isn't a good feeling and so you're going to want to be with like-minded people but the problem is your mind is not like theirs so you're going to have to change your mind in order to make sure that you're aligned with them and that's what i wasn't doing i was this like rebel this black sheep this person who was shunned and ostracized for reasons of normality to me but not to them and so you know my aunt was kind of in the background and um and then there was there was one time after the david blaine cross incident where you know we were supposed to like gather and it was one of our last nights there we were gathering and the pastor was you know like saying prayer and he was uh, you know preaching and doing all this stuff and then they started to sing and so the pastor and his wife were up there, and there was a couple other um, helpers, if you will. <laughs> what are they called? I don't even know the terms. Santa's helpers. Yeah, they're <laughs> elves and whatever. And um, so I remember, like, you know, after they were singing, everybody stood up, everybody's hands were in the air, and they were, like, you know, rocking back and forth. Their eyes were closed. Some of them were speaking in tongues and all of this stuff. I mean, it Damn. was getting intense. Did they bring the snakes out? Dude, I wish they did. That would be entertainment for me. I would have been like, dude, someone go and like, snake, go eat that. <laughs> I would have fucking parcel tongued my ass and told them. I realized my true identity. I'm actually a snake worshiper. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Until now. 
<laughs> yeah, and so, you know, they were they were acting and, like, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And then our, something incredible happened. Something I had never witnessed before took place. And what happened was the preacher or pastor was walking, zigzagging through the girls that were standing up, and all of us were standing. It was almost like if you didn't stand, someone was going to give you this, like, eye so that you stand. Because a lot of it is very much forced yeah. but it's like a kind it's like a nice force you know mm-hmm. so like i'm gonna force you to do something with a smile on my face because this i'm forcing you into our religion mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like manipulation it's very very much manipulation and so and uh just so i can visualize it what sort of room or space are you in okay think of a cabin like a very big cabin okay. and you're in like the great room of the cabin so you have these like, like wood logs frame yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly. You it. have these logs or these bundle of sticks, if you will. <laughs> okay. And so and they were like, you know, lined up and, and, and then there was like a fireplace in the back where you know, behind the, the preacher, they had cleared out the entire area which would have had maybe couches and tables and things like that for like, you know, people to hang out and not mm-hmm. do this nonsense. <laughs> but instead they had lines of chairs facing the the preacher okay and so that's kind of like the visual and then behind us was the door that would lead out okay to the so it's kind of like almost like they made it into a church setting yeah exactly yeah, and yeah so it looks very much like a church all right so, so they're, they're he's up, up yeah so so they're in the background singing the preacher is doing his thing talking about god all this kind of stuff it's in spanish okay oh all of it is all in of spanish it? yeah all of it the is whole in spanish. the whole camp was in spanish Dude, sorry i didn't know I didn't, that. Re- I didn't mention that <laughs> so my mom's okay so um so my mom you know comes from a mexican um background she's from mexico and um she goes to this church now that is an affiliation with this 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 church that we're talking about. Um, the church that sent me to this camp is not what it was before. So it's not in um, it's not like working the same way. Now they have like an extension or like a sister church, if you will. Okay. Which is where my mom goes today. Uh, and does the church does this have like a certain name like you know like Seventh Day Adventist or anything like that or like Mexican yeah, Orthodox or something? Right. Um, you mean like their their denominations? Yeah, of thing? just like what they call like you know how there's like Russian Orthodox. Yeah, dude. I mean, probably something <laughs> like, like that. Yeah, something. Or was something. it Catholic? No, it's Christian. It was okay. It yeah, it was Christian okay. for sure. Um, but I don't, I don't recall like what the details of the. I'll find out though. Yeah. For sure, I'll be like, Mom, what was that nonsense that you sent me to? She'll be like, Oh, it was this. Um, it was the Epre shit. Yeah, the Epre shit. Um, but you know, so I remember like you know we were we were sta- we were all standing up, and then this pastor starts to walk in like these like zigzag rows, and he would lightly touch a random person. And every single time he would touch their shoulder, just very lightly, they would drop to the ground. Whoa, dude. Like, like flies. Like, I'm talking like, bam, just, just falling. Good Lord. And I remember I was like, first, at first it scared me because I was like, yeah. what the fuck did he just do to her? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was like, hey, bro, like, do you have like ricin on your fucking fingertip or something? Like, what are you doing? You know? And so then I noticed like he's making his way towards the back, which is where I am. And oh, so I was like, God. okay. I'm going to take a better look. So now, a lot of people, like I said, they were like, had their hands up, their eyes closed, they were singing, they were like, you know, swaying back and forth doing this whole thing. And I remember I was like, 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to close my eyes, you know, because number one, like I'll fall asleep. All right. hundred <laughs> percent. Like you're singing, like, I don't even, like, I'm not really involved mentally in this. Out. I'm checked out Yeah. because I know what their intent is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm not, tr- it's not like I'm against Christianity. I think, I think religion is beautiful. It's the people that make it ugly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Christianity is fine. I know I have a lot of friends that are Christian. I think the Christian faith is, is nice. Um, but you're trying to tell me that who I am at my core is wrong and I'm a sinner and I'm going to yeah. go to hell and, and I'm, not, I'm not about that. That way. was always a big deal breaker with me with organized religion is every time they start talking about homosexuality as a sin, I'd be like, dude. that's a deal breaker, dude, because yeah, you no. just said that like love one another and yeah. now you're saying this and it's also just like as if. All throughout history, there haven't been, like, shit tons of gay people. I mean, it's just a part of life. It's like yeah. saying, like, dogs are evil or oak trees are evil. I mean, it's just yeah. it's ridiculous. And, yeah. like, um, there's this one faith that is actually really cool. It's called the Baha'i. Have you heard of it? The yeah. Baha'i faith? Yeah. And um, when I studied abroad in Australia, I was part of the Baha'i club. I was just trying to meet new people and stuff. And it was um, mostly Iranians, which I really liked. I really love Persian people. I love Persian culture. Mm -hmm. And I was totally bought in. And I was ready to be like a Mm Baha'i. And then they... Then they went in with the homosexuality as a sin thing, and they really like doubled down on it because mm-hmm. I said that it was like a big problem for me, and they were like basically told me that I didn't understand, that I was naive, right. I think, and it kind of sucked because I was like, dude, this is kind of a dope religion, but I can't like get behind that. That's like a deal breaker. You know, it's really interesting um, that you say so. Like every every Western faith, you know, like Baha'i, Zoroastrianism, or all these kind of like older faiths, and you have you know Islam and Christianity and all these things. They're all very much um, wrapped around procreation, okay? And so you have this, like, thought that in order for you to live life the right way, you have to procreate. We have to continue growing our human race. Hmm. And it just doesn't make sense logically for a woman to be with a woman because you can never procreate like that. Hmm. Lord knows we try, okay? (laughs) We try, baby, damn! But it's not, it just doesn't work that way, okay? All the gods know we are doing our best to make this shit happen, okay? But I'm so sorry. Okay, like, that's just the reality, dude. But, like, that's just what it is. So it's all about this procreation. And I'm going to be, okay, and and I'm kind of against that because we are overpopulated. Yep. And that's a whole other topic that we can talk about some other time. We are overpopulated. We are depleting this earth of its resources. Its natural resources are no longer what they used to be because we have too many kids. Yeah. I mean, I got a like I got people that sit next to me at work that talk about their six kids, their four kids, their five kids. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened to one or two? Like, what happened to Jimmy and John? And like, that's it. You yeah. know. But now here you are talking about five or six kids, and it's just not realistic. And so now, and that's where I think we talked about before. Like I and you believe that homosexuals were like a plan and put on this earth to offset that because heterosexuals are having kids like like i have harry potter books i mean it's just like one after a fucking another it's like dude settle down i think uh i have a theory that biological evolution has a psychological aspect because we are vehicles of consciousness you could argue that our bodies are vehicles of consciousness that human consciousness is a really unique thing in the universe I, I don't think it's like the only thing like, like yeah. but I, I think that it's a unique thing just if you look at the earth and how many millions of years and mm-hmm. you know from the little flagellates in the ocean and then the primates and now to where you know you and I can talk like this and have this podcast so biological evolution has a psychological aspect to it 
and homosexuality is evolution because we can't keep populating at the same rate that we are. Mm-hmm. And so it's like from from like a kind of psychoanalytic perspective and also just from like a very real biological perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of the evolution of the species. Mm-hmm. And I also think that um, right now, like what we're seeing with kind of like really this societal conversation about gender and about like what it is and 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 what it's not (laughs) yeah i think that that's going to continue to evolve and there's going to be like this sense of fluidity to where like i think you mentioned in a previous podcast how you you believe i believe it as well we all have we're all on the spectrum of of uh gender Mm -hmm. we all have aspects masculine aspects feminine aspects yeah and i just think that's going to continue to become like more and more fluid uh to where we're going to move away from this this obsession with procreation because if we don't, it's like the fruit flies in a jar. You have fruit flies in a jar, and you put some fruit in the jar, mm-hmm. and you put two fruit flies in, and they start effing like crazy, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we got all this fruit, we can just make hundreds of fruit flies. And eventually they reach that critical mass, and they run out of fruit, and there's all these fruit flies, and they all die. It's yeah. like, dude, it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. Like, we're talking about finite resources on the earth, and it's right. like, technology is amazing, I have a lot of faith in technology, but like, eventually no matter what sort of quick fixes and band-aids you put in terms mm-hmm. of and already we already have like so many people literally starving literally don't have clean water to drink already mm-hmm. um so anyways yeah so yeah I, man, I we we're outgrowing I, I think that we are moving at a at a faster pace than technology can keep up with so like some some people you know have like these like you know vast ideas of you know, whatever like let's say that there's robots that can do x y and z well sure but that's extremely expensive and like at the rate that we're going if one household has six kids or you know whatever the case is like we are outgrowing our our technological advances mm-hmm. and so you know i i just feel like we're already overpopulated and we were talking about something but i forgot what and we went to overpopulation. <clears throat> we were talking about how it's it's very manipulative and kind of fucked up yes the the faiths yeah. yeah so like a lot of these western faiths are wrapped around that which is where homosexuality is always a, a deal breaker mm-hmm. because they're like well we want to make sure that our let's just say our christians breed more christians so if if you're a christian you can't breed more christians within your household by having children and teaching them this faith then yeah. then what are you doing for us yeah. And that's and that's in my perspective where the whole where part of the um, homosexuality and, being and yeah like that's a big really no-no. interesting and then that also bleeds into the idea that um, you know everything has to evolve you either evolve or die that's mm-hmm. just that's life yeah and so that's true for faith and religion as well they have you have to evolve or you're gonna you're gonna perish and it's like we're at a different point in our history now than even like 2,000 years ago to mm-hmm. where 2,000 years ago you didn't have to worry about overpopulation mm-hmm. we, you know we had room on the planet for more kids so this idea of like I still think it's kind of messed up to be like okay we want our religion to win so have as many as you can like yeah, that's kind of, of but it was more I guess reasonable now it's no longer reasonable and especially with all the kids that are um, available for adoption that mm, don't have families of course. you know what i mean and it's like that's another beautiful thing about same-sex couples is that if they want they can adopt so it's like you don't even ha- it's there's not even any limitation anymore in terms of having a family or whatnot exactly and, and in all honesty i mean like it's 
I don't want to say it's better, that might be like a strong word, but, you know, there are so many people, so many young children who are, who are being born in, you know, places like Africa and India that don't have the opportunities that we do in the States or in Europe or Canada, wherever. Yeah. And so, you know, in order to, if you really want a family, you know, I think that it's wise to, to introduce that. It's already, it's a kid that's already here, mm-hmm. you know, so like, let's, let's bring them up in, in a proper world, a good perspective. Mm-hmm. Because my world is very different than theirs, right? So, like, yes, we're on one earth, but everybody's world is a little bit different. For sure. You know, and so, you know, I remember when uh, when, when my wife and I were in India, we spent a month in India. And I couldn't tell you how many times, you know, we saw, like, little kids just walking on their own or, like, you know, trying to, like, look for something to eat. Or, and I'm just like, man, like, this is – you would never see that in the, in the States or, or – I mean, I guess sometimes you do. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, you know, having that – if you really want a family, I think that – if I if I ever wanted kids, I would adopt, but I don't want kids, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. It's all good. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so going back to the to the church thing. So this 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 pastor was you know kind of coming along, and he was touching people on their shoulder, and they would fall. And so I remember you know like I was looking at him, and him and my him and I made eye contact <laughs> at one point, and I literally had this like confused face, like I'm looking at you, like you're like are you gonna try this with me because that shit's not gonna. Yeah, work. dude, I was like, mm, what's happening? <laughs> and so, so then I remember like in his in you're his gonna pull some crab maga. Yeah, man, hundred percent. Like, don't do this, <laughs> okay? Like, please. No. <laughs> you get the pastor in an arm bar. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, you're hitting the floor. <laughs> yeah. Not me. And I remember I was like, um, I was looking at him super confused. And then he could, you know, he in, in his, uh, whatever, his way of preaching, he said something along the lines of like, um, you know, when you speak, when you feel the spirit of Christ enter your body, you become overwhelmed. And so you sometimes would drop to your knees. Like that's just, you know. I guess what and so I was like, okay so maybe that's what's happening so then I'm thinking like are you so does that mean that you're Christ like are you that arrogant that like Christ is now within you and every time you're touching somebody that the spirit of Christ is entering your body yeah like is that you're you're calling yourself a direct channel oh yeah like yeah. you are not only the mouthpiece but you are yeah Christ in spirit like yeah. so I was like interesting yeah, and that's one of the main me- mechanisms of control, you could argue, is this idea that you need a mediator, mm-hmm. a mediator between yourself and, and uh, I, I like to use the term great spirit, it's yeah. like God, universe, yeah. like, and, and that's a very good way to control people, because yeah, everyone 100%. wants to feel like a higher power, so if you say like, well, if you want to feel a higher power, you gotta go through me. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and I mean, you know, what happens, I mean, Martin Luther got rid of that a long time ago, I mean, you know, like in the Protestant days there was uh have you heard of martin luther not yeah. not the king right yeah 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 so like you know there was this whole like channel of like you know yes there's a mouthpiece of of the lord and so you have to go through them because they're the only ones that can interpret the bible and that's where this whole like translation of the bible came to be mm. but we lost that now you there's people who still believe that you have to go through somebody and yeah it's this uh anyway it's it's sick and pathetic to my in my perspective but so anyway, he, he makes his way to me and, you know, like he's kind of looking at me and I'm looking at him like, dude, this isn't going to work. <laughs> like, because I know what you want me to do. Right. And it's not going to work. Yeah. Okay. So he kind of like comes my way and he, and he takes his hand and he puts it on my shoulder and I stay 
standing. And I was like, very cool. So then he kind of like moves to the next person, he does the same thing, and then she drops. Moves to the next person, does the same thing, she drops. And then the next thing I realize, I'm the only bitch standing in this fucking thing. Okay? No way. And there's, oh, yeah. Everybody I'm the, else? Every single person. Whoa. And I'm the only one standing. And so I'm like, that's so intense. It is. And so then I realized, you know, like, he even, like, goes to the back to, like, the people singing. And then it's just music now. And, like, because they stop because they're, you know, so overwhelmed by this spirit, by this feeling. And so it's just him and I. We're kind of having, like, a standoff, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so he's looking at me, uh. and he's still, like, you know, saying some stuff. And then he comes over to me, and he pushes on me again but he does it harder what he touches my shoulder harder dude Damn. like at first it was like here and then it was here dude that is such a micro oh for sure so That's then so crazy so i can tell that he just really wants to see a change in me because you know like i wasn't like don't get me wrong like i wasn't this person who walked in there who was just like I'm going to be the opposite of every single thing, but it just doesn't work for me yeah. because I am who I am. You're trying, it's like, it's like you're trying to change my brown skin to white. It's not going to work. Yeah. Okay. It certainly isn't going to work with faith and prayer. Right. Okay. If you want to maybe dye my skin or something, you want to take it to, like, we know that that can happen, but you can't just speak your way into me and then make me change. It's not going to happen because it's not real. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. And so he didn't like it because every single person and maybe the play, like the the role that he played in the church, was very like power hungry for him. Mm-hmm. Like he just he got what he wanted, and so he you know, he had all these people who were like, oh, you know, thank you, and here's my money, and here's all of this, and here's all of that, and so you know he kind of has that way of feeling that he's making a big change in his life and in other people. And hey, that's yeah. cool. If that's what works for you, that's what works for everybody else, great. But I'm not going to be one of them because I don't believe in this. Yeah. And I'm also not going to just fall to the ground and take a mini nap so that you can think right. something's going to happen because that's not the way that Mona works. Yeah, okay? you're not uh, as swayed by the peer pressure of it all. Yeah, I'm not a follower by any means. Like, I don't care if I'm the only one standing. I will always be the only one standing if that's what it takes. Always. And so... I remember he came to me and he, he put a little bit more pressure and I remember I said to him face to face, I said, if I'm falling to this floor, you're falling with me. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so, so he kind of looked at me like, <laughs> he was like, well, goddamn. Um, He's like, shit, I got a G on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, and I was like, listen, dude, like, respectfully, okay, but like, if we're going down to this floor, it's because you're putting low too much pressure on my shoulder. And I don't like that because I like my shoulders. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to need you to stop with the fingertip yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it was literally just a way for me to, like, you know, kind of get him to back off him because it wasn't going to work. And I wasn't trying to be like a bully or an asshole, but it was like, you're trying too hard to make something unnatural happen to for somebody sure. like me. Yeah. Not I mean, that's work. an invasion of privacy. It's yeah. an invasion of your personal space. Like, and it's also, and it's also yeah. using, he's even, I understand he's not like shoving, but the fact right. that he pushed harder the second time, he's using his physical force to try to coerce behavior. Yeah, he's trying to coerce me into, into following what he is trying to preach. Like, yeah. you know, like this, the, you know, the spirit of Christ is, is, going inside my body and I'm feeling overwhelmed by the way that I it's just like no like that's that's not that's not what it is anything strange in that feel anything strange in that situation like did you feel like there was like a certain heaviness to the air or did you just were you completely unaffected by it because I'm just wondering the collective like consciousness of that moment with everyone else falling and like the intensity of it like I just wonder if, if you felt that at all you know, I have like a really unique um, connection with music, 
anytime there's music and I feel the emotion behind it, I don't care what the story is. I, I feel that emotion with music. And so the only feeling that I had when I was in that room was when there were like singing and there was emotion behind it and there was like this beautiful melody playing. And that, but I, I listen to foreign music too, like music I don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Because if you, so like there's, there's this French artist, her name is Zaz, Z-A-Z. Mm-hmm. And I understand some French, but not enough for me to really know like what she's talking about in most of these songs. But I can still feel her emotion, and I know that the song is about love, or it's about having a good time, or it's about whatever. And so the only like emotion that I felt that time was just when they were singing. But it wasn't what he was saying. It was the fact that they had beautiful voices, great music, mm-hmm. and so I kind of like had that connection. But that was it. Like when he was like preaching and he was talking about this and being saved and sinning and making sure you have a place in heaven, like all of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't down for that. And nothing. even like when the girls are talking in tongues and stuff like that, you're just kind of looking at it. I like, was this scared. Is bizarre. Yeah, I was like I was like you know what like this is getting a little too crazy because now either one, you are faking it and you're just like talking funny, which is scary to me because that means that you're easily manipulated and those are the people that make these ultimate sacrifices for their religion. Those are the people that are fundamentalists. And I mean, like that, that person is the suicide bomber. You know what I'm saying? That's what scares me because you are easily manipulated. I don't like that. Or B, you feel something and cool. I don't, I still don't understand the whole like talking in tongues thing because like if, and this is, this is just my understanding of it. Like from what I've heard, talking in tongues means that the Jesus or the spirit of Christ or God is like speaking through you. But, like, wouldn't it be in a language we all understand? <laughs> yeah, or Aramaic or something. Yeah, yeah. or, like, or, you know, and, like, and, and if it's in every language, because, you know, this this great creator created all these languages. Dude, Esperanto. And all these yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah. Like, here we go with the Tower of Babel. It's like, all right, well, uh, you're literally just babbling now. <laughs> like, I, I still don't get it, dude. Like, literal Tower of Babel. Literal Tower of Babel. So, I... <laughs> So, like, I just don't, I don't understand it just from, like, you know, my perspective, you know, from, from where I'm standing from as a neutral person. Um, but, yeah, man, like, to answer, I guess, no. It's pretty honest. crazy because you're still, you're middle school age right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's just, it's understandable that other, that people, like, your age would be kind of, like, you know, Manip- manipulated yeah. well, or for coerced because sure. it's, like, yeah, that takes a lot of self-awareness and groundedness at that young age mm-hmm. to be able I'm I, so that brings me into and we'll get right back to the story but I wanted to touch base on the fact uh, we talked about this off mic last time we hung out mm-hmm. how you have this feeling that like you've lived uh, many different lives yeah and that like all of your past lives you've been a man yes yeah I do believe that um and like I don't even know if it's because you know obviously like it's just it's another realm of something that we don't really even know ever existed um but like i like i i sometimes believe that do you ever watch friends have you seen friends i've seen it yeah okay so like and i don't know if any of the listeners have but like well i'm sure they've seen friends but there's an episode where they're talking about the worst christmas or the worst thanksgiving and phoebe goes like she talks about how she had the worst and she's (laughs) 
talking about how she was like in World War One and she was like a, a medic and like her arm gets blown off and she's like, we need more bandages and they're like, okay, <laughs> like they're talking about like, like and then she's like, well, oh no, and then I think like Ross was That's like, really no, in this life and she's like, oh, in this life, no, I've had some pretty good holidays in this life and then Joey goes. Wow, that's so cool that you remember your all these past lives. I wish I did. And she goes, "Well, you're brand new." And she so she tells him like, "You're new, but I'm an old soul." Wow. And so I, like it's you know like some people say like you're an old soul, you know things like that. And I think yeah. it's because like it's their way of saying that you as a young person like things that are older, or it's kind of like unnatural for you to like, you know, Frank Sinatra if you're like 20 or something like that. But you know, I I always get this this feeling that, you know, I was. I don't know if you want to call reincarnated or whatever, but I feel like this isn't my first time living. And, you know, and I think I, I kind of also experienced that in, in all the things that I'm interested in. I have so many interests. They're so vast and they always get me in trouble because I never know what I want to do here and what I want to do there. And I want to work in here and I want to get this degree. And it's always something, you know, mm-hmm. but I do believe that if I ever had past lives, I was always a man. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, you know, I kind of, like, have the mind that I do, and I think the way that I think, and, I, and I've had all these different struggles with, you know, with, not with sexuality, but with gender, you know, because, yeah. like, I kind of feel like I defy a lot of uh, these, like, gender um, norms. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, I'm a woman, but I don't feel like I see the world through woman through a woman's eyes. I don't feel like I do. But because I'm in a woman's body, I kind of have to fight this all the time. Yeah. And um, you know, and and I and I can only imagine that like you know a, a transgender person feels like that times a million. You know. And when I was younger, I kind of dealt with this, um, you know, this sort of like back and forth thought of you know, it, am I was I even born in the right body? Was I not? And then. You know, I just kind of grew to to love myself as much as I could because I was already going through so many things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but but yeah, I mean, I, I truly do believe that. Yeah, I was just what was what made me bring that up is is the fact that you did have this sort of like grounded self knowledge at this young age, which is rare. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, that's one possible. I personally do believe in past lives. Yeah. So it's like that is is you know, a possibility that you somehow you had it like in your, in your, not your DNA, but in your like, uh, in your essence. Yeah. This sort of like knowledge of, of who you are. And so it was like deep roots of mm-hmm. a tree. So even in this storm of chaos of the, the babbling and the tongues and the, yeah. that, you know, you literally couldn't be swayed. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a good way of putting it. You know, I, there was, there was always, I always went through the emotion behind my family or my friends or my community trying to change me there was always real emotion for me i was always very hurt i was always depressed i was always uh feeling like i didn't belong but i never once felt like i had to change i just was sort of mourning the people who were dropping around me who couldn't be near me or who didn't want to love me or couldn't accept me and so in this instance literally dropping literally dropping yeah they were like yeah exactly in this instance they were literally dropping my flies um but you know like i and that's kind of where like i i do try to stay in the present moment you know like i know that even if i made a good connection with somebody at this church camp i wouldn't be able to have that as like a lifelong friendship because 
the majority of them, maybe I would, but like the majority of them truly believed that they were sinners and that they had to change. And, I, and I'm almost sure that there's somebody out there in this world who was at the same church camp that has lived their life in a, as a lie. Yeah. Like they, they live their life in this way that's not, you know, like not them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that makes me kind of... It's sad. Yeah, it's super sad. Yeah, I think a lot of people live not their true selves for a bunch of different reasons. Right. But yeah, the, the desire to, like, conform and to fit in is really powerful for us because we are a social species. Right. And that, like, ability to, you know, stand alone, like you say, it's it's a difficult thing. Yeah, you know, I, um, I know that when I was... When I was young and even talking to my brother, like, you know, my brother, when he found out that um, that I'm gay, he was very upset and um, he tried to, like, convince my parents to, like, ship me off to Egypt with our family there. He was he was not supportive at all. Wow. And he's he's one year and four months older than me. Wow. OK, so like we're very, very close in age. But that just goes to show, like, he's a product of his environment. Him and I grew up in the same home but we had different parents now now biologically we had the same mom the same dad Mm. but we had different parents if Mm. that makes sense like how she was with him and how my dad was with him were very different than how they were with me very different and so my brother if you were to meet him today you'd be surprised that we had the same the same parents in the same house um well my parents were divorced but you know what i mean like it's just kind of this like weird um this weird thought that I had, you know, because I'm like, dang, like, I thought that it was maybe the older people that never understood homosexuality. Maybe that's why my parents weren't with it. But, like, this dude is only a year and a few months older than me. Yeah. And he's not accepting it. And so I'm kind of like, I always had this way of being in the moment emotionally and just sort of understanding, like, okay, well, you're not accepting. That makes me sad. Sorry. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then the next person. And I had a lot of friends that didn't accept it. And, you know, so. Wow. Yeah, it was just a mess. Yeah. So you're, this is towards the end of the camp. Yeah, so th- that was probably, like, the most, like, prominent thing that happened, like, towards the end of the camp. You know, we had that. Um, after I told him that, he did make a comment, you know, like, because he had a microphone with him, and so he was speaking to the group, and he said, you know, sometimes people will feel that overwhelming spirit of, of Christ enter them, but they won't fall and that's okay oh wow you know and so it was it was really it was really interesting because i'm thinking like okay like i know okay great that's okay but like he was it was almost like he was shifting what he was saying and shifting what his perspective of the bible is yeah so that everybody can see when they wake up and they stand up that i'm already standing that they understand why yeah because i know that going in there he wanted everybody to be on the floor he wanted all of us to fall and to drop and to have this overwhelming feeling he wanted that yeah but i wouldn't let it and so because i just didn't feel it you know what i mean and so i think he was like well how do i how do i add this into my speech today yeah how do i he didn't want egg on his face yeah he just kind of like shifted the rules on his feet but that's what religion is isn't it it, it, it you you kind of you kind of make it up as you go like yes there's a bible yes there's a torah yes there's a quran yes there's a whatever but 
your interpretation of yeah. it is always shifting with what life brings you. That's why we can justify half the shit that we do. Yeah. That's why we can justify whatever it is that we say because it's in the Bible. Yeah. I can justify shunning my niece or my nephew, my daughter, my son, my whatever, because this is what the Bible says. It, but does it really have to do with how you feel? I mean, because you can be homophobic and you don't have to be religious. Yeah. And you can be... Uh, supportive of homosexuals and be religious yeah. you know so it's really all about your interpretation and that's kind of what people do in my perspective is they just shift religion to to fit their life and if that means that you are benevolent so then you then your religion shows that but if you're not then your religion shows that and that's probably the scariest part and there's like uh, power brokers within organized religion and, and so they're the ones that dictate a lot of like what the interpretations are and so in this instance like he was the power broker so he you know what I mean like whatever yeah. however he wanted to interpret it it's like justified whatever happened in in the reality so that's an interesting thing yeah man yeah and then like you said uh, didn't your the dude who married you and your wife he was U Unitarian yeah so that's an example of like an interpretation that is all inclusive. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's very prominent um, in his church. He does a lot for um, for that community, and he's very respected, you know. And that it's just like that's what I'm saying is like, but he at his core is an accepting, loving human being. So for him to be you know Unitarian, for him to be a pastor in a church, and for him to have this life and still be accepting and loving towards gay people it's yeah. not unnatural but all of these people who were trying to change me that's because they were insecure within themselves yeah they didn't like the fact that a woman was able to marry another woman because that takes away from their gene pool mm -hmm. or from their ability to date this same chick because right. i already got her and that's honestly like part wow. of what i think like i feel like there's a lot of and obviously like you know some sometimes for like heterosexual women it doesn't work that way because they're not attracted to women but i think i notice a lot more men have a problem with um and this is this has been in my life and in my experience a lot more religious men are like obviously they they have more of an obvious problem with with gay people Fire in the belly, in the mind, that's what I am. I know you feel pain, you spin. 
never fumble, run a bag like my shine for number nine. I'm riding on the wave, I think I need nothing. Knocking all day, yeah, your boy stay buzzing. I'm riding on the wave, I think I need nothing. Knocking all day, yeah, your boy stay buzzing. I'm riding on the wave now, staying clear, get down. Before the break pound, I'm riding on the wave now. What's up, glorious listeners? We're going to get right back into this podcast with Mona Morsi. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode of Barbarian Noetics is brought to you by Big Bob's Super Crab Crap Shack. Offering the cheapest meats this side of Calcutta. All the CAFO pork and chicken mill grub you can handle. Plus, critically endangered fish. Get them while they're still around. They'll be gone soon. All the Japanese sea bass and wild-caught Atlantic salmon you can cram into your gaping American pie hole. Unlimited torture pork buffet, just $3.99 all day every day. With happy hour every night from 6 to 9, where we dish out free shark fin and turtle soup. Our sharks and turtles are 100% farm-raised using untested Russian antibiotics. Who knows what they'll do to the environment? Woo-hoo! Big Bob's Super Crap Crab Shack is available anywhere where suburban sprawl is blighting your countryside and anywhere where mega-condoplexes are being constructed by foreign investors trying to fence their dirty, stolen extra billions gained through the mass vampirism of human mana against inflation. Big Bob's Super Crab Crap Shack fills you up with food like a Humvee gets packed full of fossil fuels. Yee-hoo! Eat it up! Yeah! Big Bob's Crap Shack makes me fall. All right, everybody. Thanks so much to Big Bob's Super Crab Crap Shack for uh, Crap Shack for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And now let's get back to Mona Morsi. Peace.
because, and I, and I honestly think it's because of that. Like, like my dad, like my dad can't understand that like I will marry a woman when he's like, well, but I'm gonna marry a woman, you know? It's like he just can't put two and two together, yeah. you know? And I and I think it's just you know maybe I had I had somebody say something to me once like um, they refer to it as a waste, like me being gay was a waste. Damn, um, people say crazy dude, shit the to you, cra- mom. Yeah, man, the oh. craziest shit. <laughs> Only Timona. Like, I have my friend, my friend, my friend. Sometimes I'll tell her stories about like my day. Like that literally would only happen to you. Like I, I'm telling you. But like I remember there was somebody who said to me like that's a it was a waste. It's like, I, like a waste of good pair of ovaries. Yeah, dude. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, like a, a waste of, you know, like. Oh fuck. Yeah, like. You're never gonna have kids, and you know you're never gonna whatever, whatever, whatever the biggest difference between straight and gay couples are. Like I'm never gonna be able to do that. And yeah. I remember I was thinking like, okay, and that's probably the same perspective. Is like, they think it's a waste. So that really drives home like how critical it is for us as like a society to evolve to accommodate the reality that anatomical women can be men, and anatomical men can be women. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, dude. At the end of the day. 100%, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so what So what happens after you leave the camp? So after I leave the camp, I remember um, I was driven home, and I met with this girl that I was dating at the time. I think, like, the next day or the next, you know, couple days. My mom... A. The, yeah. the girl you're seeing, your girlfriend, A. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, I remember my mom, um, hold on, dude.
this dog, like, she has a crazy nose. Like, she found food that was, like, buried in there. Like, some dog food that was buried in there. Anyway, um, so back to when I got home. Um, my mom, I think my mom just wanted to assume that changes had been made. She didn't want to talk to me about, like, you know, hey, do you feel straight now? Like, she didn't, like, come to me like that. She just, in her mind, to make her feel better, I think she was like, this was a cure. You know, so it's like, Mona had a headache. I gave her a Tylenol. She's going to feel better. End. She's not, like, checking up to see if I do. She's just assuming that the medicine worked. Yeah. And do you think that was maybe, like, partially because she couldn't handle the idea? Yes, that 100%. Work? So it's just kind of like she creates her own reality, and her reality is that now you're straight. Yeah, because, you know, like, she performed this exorcism. I went to this church camp, and now things are going to go in a, in a line. And so, you know, I remember um, after that I, had saw, I saw my girlfriend at the time, and she knew that I was getting sent away to this church camp. And yeah. so, you know, her and I kind of had this conversation because I couldn't talk to her. I couldn't talk to anybody when I was there. Dude. And so I met her and, you know, I remember she was like, so are you straight now? <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, not at all. Um, I'm even less straight. Yeah, I'm actually less, <laughs> less straight. That's actually a camp that you go to to become gay. <laughs> it's like, that's what they mean by gay camp. Oh, I see. Um, but, you know, I remember, like, I, as a person, didn't change enough for my mom. And so... You mean, like, your behavior? And stuff? Yeah, like, my behavior. Like, I think she was... Because, you know, like, I didn't have... My family was never open enough for me to talk to about anything emotional, you know? So, like, you know, if I had a girlfriend or if I felt something or, you know, obviously, like, it was a very closed-minded... Um, so you couldn't talk about your feelings and stuff? That I couldn't talk about my feelings, no. Yeah. Even even if they weren't related to the whole, you know, me having a girlfriend, all that stuff. I just, I never felt like they were welcoming in that way. Um, and so I think when, when my mom realized maybe something hadn't changed, and this was probably like a month after, the exorcisms started coming again. Oh, fuck. And so it wasn't, and it was like very much the same thing, or it wasn't as dramatic, but what they would do is like, you know, like circle around me and like pray over me and... Would this happen at night? All, all hours. All like hours. mostly, like mostly at night, but like in all, at all hours. And I think, and I don't know, I never understood like why they kind of like bombarded me, but I think it was, it was honestly so that like I couldn't... Like, like, I wouldn't be like, oh, you know what, I'm leaving, or, you know, or, yeah. or, or maybe maybe she's not home. Like, it's guaranteed that she's going to be there. God, and you didn't have a lock on your door or anything? I, you know, I did, man, but um, I couldn't, like, if I ever locked my door and, like, my mom would, like, try to open it, like, she would argue with me for a very long time about it. And I think I was, like, in this place, like, as a young kid and even, even now, like, as an adult, I don't like... I don't like that kind of confrontation, you know, like I'll, I'll handle it for sure. But if I can get you to just shut the fuck up for a second, <laughs> dude, I will do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially if you're coming at me for something that's like, silly. yeah, that's silly. And so, you know, it was one of those things where like I had been kicked out of her house before. Um, and now I'm back in and, um, 
when I when I came back in, I didn't have a door. You know, I, don't know, I think I think I mentioned that, That's so I right. didn't have a door. Yeah. And then eventually, I was able to have a door, but there was like all these like regulations, like you can't lock it, because I think my mom put took the door off because she thought that. I would sneak people in, which is why she also put locks on my window. Mm. I would sneak girls in and, like, do gay things with them, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And so she's like, I'm going to keep this door open. God forbid. Yeah, just to ensure, you know. And so once I eventually had, like, this door back on, it was, um, you know, I, I I didn't even dare to do anything yeah, extra. because probably I, you're probably a little bit worried about being put out on the street again. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I wanted – I never felt – like when people describe their rooms when they were younger and how it was a, a reflection of themselves like you had like posters of things that you liked and you know like you were able to paint it the way that you wanted to like i never had that it was very much like the cupboard under the stairs sort of thing you know and so i i wanted to feel a little bit at peace at any time of the day you know like when i was at school i was stressed out because i couldn't talk to anybody my, my grades were shit. i couldn't read well i was a poor student um, you know, I had I had a girlfriend that I saw every once in a while, and she was really my only window to freedom. You know, she was my only person that I could really talk to about how I felt. And that's a lot to put on somebody, especially at that age, yeah. you know. And I think I was already, like, kind of mature for my age. And then on top of that, I went through a lot of emotional trauma that kids my age don't go to, yeah. don't go through. And even adults wouldn't wouldn't handle it well. Right. You know, and so... Um, that's the first thing I think about when I think about all the exorcisms. Like, that's really traumatizing. Yeah, you know, and then it, it is it is traumatizing. It's in, you know, it's it's belittling and it's dehumanizing and it's... Um, and it sounds like, like they would they would overwhelm you like with numbers kind of like surround you almost so oh like it was always yeah intimidation factor also mm-hmm. like physical intimidation yeah yeah um and then so like were the exorcisms you said they were they were different each time like slightly different did they always come in with the flowers and all that not always no so they the flower thing was a couple of them and then they ended up doing these just very um like just like these hardcore prayers is what what they really were so like i would sit in a seat and then they would kind of surround me um and they would pray like they would all kind of like pray over me would they speak out loud or would they be silent out loud yeah it was always out loud it was always loud it was always very like forceful almost like you like because of the barriers that i'm putting up you gotta like pound your words into my walls it's very aggressive yeah very aggressive and then, and then would they like tell you like go sit on that chair or would they just they bust in your room and then wherever you were at um would... no like there would there would be times where they would like just kind of like sit me up like if i was on my bed or they would say you know hey like they were they were trying to be nice honestly like they were like hey you know come with me you know we're just gonna pray for you and then my mom would be like they're just gonna pray for you and it was it was like I almost like I think there was just this it became a part of my adolescence to a point where I was like 
all right, dude, I guess we're doing this again, you know? Um, it became just like a normal, like, yeah, it was really like oh, it's every other Sunday, it's Exorcism Sunday. Yeah, Exorcism Sunday. <laughs> and then what ended up happening was my mom started ta- forcing me to go to church with her. Oh. So my brother was able to stay at home by himself, play video games, do his thing, hang out with friends. I had to go with her to church. Damn. And so, you know, I would go, and anytime, you know, like they, they kind of have these like individual prayer sessions and so a lot of that happened when I was there um and that's kind of what they what what it's so it's sort of like you know became like this huge like exorcism thing and then it kind of got watered down into me going to church with her and and they would so, have like what do you like individual one-on-one prayer sessions yeah, like mm-hmm. at the be, church would it be like after the service or? yeah mm-hmm. okay after sounds, the service. Sounds like a blast. Yeah, dude, it was so fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, but, you know, like, I, I remember a lot, my mom was always present. And I think a lot of these, like, prayers and these exorcisms and these ways of of doing, uh, making these changes was, was for me, but it was also for her. And I don't think she realized it at the time, and I didn't realize it at the time, but there was a lot of changes that were made in my mom's mind over the years, you know, like, I I feel like without these exorcisms and without these prayers and without these, like, you know, forceful church, um, like, you know, like, me going to church with her, like, it, I feel like she wouldn't be who she is today, and I wouldn't be who I am today, and who my mom is, isn't, believe it or not, an accepting mother, you know, and she wow. has grown a lot from who she was back then. She openly talks about, um, you know, how she behaved, the things that she said, what they did. Openly talks about it because wow. it is just a way of expression when she didn't know what to do. You know, she was like, I was, um, I was lost. And I didn't know what to do, and all I wanted to to do was just help my daughter. And she really felt that this would help me. Mm. And the thing that that kind of gets me to wake up every morning and not, you know, like want to hang myself, is basically the idea that my mother really did believe that she was trying to 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 save me. She was trying to be the best kind of mom that she could be. You know, like every parent says, you know. Parenting doesn't come with a manual, right? So you just right. got to do it, you know, just the best that you can. And, yeah. and, you know, my mom realizes that the behaviors that she, the way that she acted towards me was not appropriate. Um, it clearly didn't do anything as far as what she wanted, except right. for, except for teach me a little bit about religion um, and how it's not real in that way you know like when people say i remember i read a book called sapiens if anybody has heard of it or has not read it it's a really good book but in it he says something the author says something along the lines of whenever we do something you know we always say oh thank god you know because we're giving god this responsibility you know we're saying well it's because of god instead of telling ourselves that we actually worked hard enough to do something you know what I'm saying? And so then when stuff to take responsibility for the good stuff, you got to then take ownership of the, of the, the bad. Shit too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of, 
Now, my mom is still a religious person. She still goes to this church. It's affiliated with the church camp that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. But I know that her perspective is different. You know, like her sister, who's the my aunt that was at the church camp with me, the one that was kind of in the background, the elf. <laughs> um, she is pretty homophobic. She's respectful for the most part, but I don't see her very often. Um, I didn't invite her to the wedding, but she still took it upon herself to call me Unreal. and say, hey, I just want to let you know I will not be at your wedding because God will not be there. Damn. Yeah, dude. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, people say, like, I have the skin of a fucking elephant, okay? Because you, like, my family has said the worst shit to me that you could think of. Damn. My own aunt, you know? So I was like... And that just happened. Dude, that was literally... So Naomi and I got married in January of this year, okay? So, like, maybe a year ago she said this. And her daughter was um, one of my bridesmaids. And her mom sat down with um, – so, like, my, my aunt sat down with my cousin, who was one of my bridesmaids, and tried to get her to not do to this. not go, wow. Because she was, like, you know, like whatever excuses she was telling her. But, you know, it's like – I don't know where I was going with that, but – you were saying how your mom has grown and now yeah. totally, like, has, sounds like, done kind of a 180. and She really you. has, yeah. yeah. She and, and, you know, it's funny because her faith led her to believe that I was, I was going down this wrong path. But it's also her faith, that same faith, that allowed her to become the mother that she is today. Yeah. You know, and so so it's important that, that people realize that and it's imperative for parents and other people who are family members or friends or whatever to realize that you can still be a part of your religion, whether you're a Christian or Muslim or Jew or whatever the case is, you can still be faithful to your God and be a good fill in the blank brother, good sister, good mom, a good dad. You can still be that because who God is to my mom is between her and, 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 and God. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. You know, because even if I were Christian, my relationship with God is individual, right? Yeah. So it's never going to be this, like, this triangle. It's never going to be God, my mom, and then me, and then God. It's not going to be that. Yeah. You have to have your own relationship with your higher power, mm -hmm. whatever that might mean. Even if it's the universe, I have a relationship with the universe that you don't have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's just, that's just the truth. And so... I hope that people realize that, and I hope that there are parents out there who kind of take this this whole religion thing a little too serious to just kind of calm down a little bit. And sometimes that takes a big person to do that. You know, my mother is a very big person for realizing that that's not the best way to go about it, and she realizes now that, like, I'm gay. This is this is just who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, and and if there's somebody out there that doesn't like it, well. I'm sorry, but I can't change. You know what? There's times where I don't even fucking like it. Like, when I was younger, do you think I liked being ostracized? Do you think I liked being the black sheep? No. I would have loved to have a regular childhood, whatever that means. I would have loved to have had my parents love me for who I really am, to just look at me and say, that's a regular kid, and I'm proud of her. That never happened. Yeah. So, so there, are, there are also times where I, as a gay person, don't like it. But you just got to live. You know what I'm saying? And people don't get that. Like, you know, whenever I talk about this to, to anybody, it's always this, like, you know, well, you know, if only or what if or, well, we don't have those opportunities. Yeah. We have today. We have now. Yeah. I was born in 1989, a gay kid to religious cultured parents. They're not happy with it. Who cares? You're not going to be happy with a lot of things in life. You either go with it or you don't. 
you know, if you can't change your environment, you got to change your mind. Yeah. And if you don't change your mind, like you said, if you're not evolving, you're dying. Okay, and that's what it is. Like, my dad has not really evolved the way that my mom has. So guess what, homeboy? I don't talk to you. I don't <laughs> see you. Because I can't, you and I are not aligned. We cannot see with the world on the same wavelength because you're not realistic. You want me to be somebody that I will never be. Yeah. Well, you know what? I want you to be somebody you're never going to be either. But I'm willing to, to break that down because you're my yeah. father. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're not willing to do that, well, okay, dude. Yeah. I mean, you're holding the space of who you actually are mm-hmm. and, you know, he's doing his thing and until he kind of like comes to where you are and meets you on your own ground for who you are. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's really healthy because I think... I mean, it sucks, right? It sucks not sure. talking to your dad, but also you don't need toxicity in your life. Yeah, you People know, judge you. <clears throat> that's that's really what it is. I think I think that parents have this um, sort of arrogance that's embedded in them, and they always feel that their children, no matter what, will never leave their side because without them, their children wouldn't be, and it's true. But children can also teach their parents. And sometimes if you as a parent are not willing to take that lesson, you're going to you're going to lose out on that. Mm. Like my mom yeah. grew. Interesting. She grew because of me. Without without having a gay kid, she would have never have gotten as close to her faith, I think as she did. Mm-hmm. She would have never cuz I can tell you right now, my mom has a lot of the same people in her life that she did those many years ago where those exorcisms took place, they're still in the same place. They're still in that same mind. My mom can look at a gay person and be like, okay, cool. Let's just, let's have a meal. It's whatever. And that is mental evolution. If you're not evolving mentally, if you're not evolving however way, then you're not evolving, period. And you're staying in the same spot. Well, guess what? The world around you is moving and you're not. And so you're going to get left behind. And so all these people back here who are in their church and they're trying to save these people and trying to do this nonsense, well, listen, man, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And you're going to always be in the same place. Mm-hmm. And my mom doesn't want that because if, if, that's like, if, that, if she was in the same place, she wouldn't have been in my wedding. She wouldn't be in my life because you realize as you grow that you can live without certain people. I don't care if your name is mom. I don't care if your name is dad. I don't care if your name is John and you're my neighbor. If you're going to be toxic, you're going to be out. You either get on this train with me or you're staying at the station mm-hmm. one way or the other. And so some people can't, they don't, they don't have this ability because they're, they're also stuck in this like brainwashing thing where they're like, even if my parents hate me, they make my life absolute hell. I have to stay with them. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And it, like your parents are supposed to support you and love you unconditionally. My mother, when I was younger, put conditions on her love for me. Mm. My father still has conditions. I'll love you if. I'll treat you with respect if, I'll whatever if, bullshit. It's either you love me or you don't. Because you wanted me, not the other way around. I wasn't like in your nutsack, like, pick me, dude. Tonight's the night, bro. Pick me. I promise I'm going to hang on, man. Put me in, coach. Yeah, put me in, I promise. Like, it was like, you wanted this. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so it's like, you need to be on board 100%. You wanted this. You yeah. wanted this Mona. Yeah. And you got it. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not the way that you wanted it to be. Maybe I'm not the right, you know, height. Or maybe I don't, I'm not doing this the right career that you want me to. It doesn't matter. You wanted a child, and that's what you got. And you're not appreciating that. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's literally all, that's, that's all we need to know. Yeah. And so as a parent, if you're not appreciating it, 
That's well, your law. He's also missing out on like all the like amazing things that make you you, just like your whole personality, you know, and all your interests and just your life, you know. It's, so it's it is his loss, but I think it's like really healthy that your attitude towards it is really healthy. Thank I you. also think um, I have this theory that like like how you said that parents can learn from their kids. Mm -hmm. So I believe in this idea of karma, like I, this is just my own personal belief, so take it with a grain of salt, but I kind of feel like the earth, like this reality that we live in is almost like this school for our souls, mm -hmm. and our souls are, are like entering, we're born, and we have like a certain, we have this certain like karma from past lives and all these other factors, and so we have like lessons that kind of we need to learn, and whenever you start talking about this stuff, it sounds a little bit ridiculous because this is ineffable stuff, like, I don't think you can really nail it down with words, but just, like, this idea that, like, you have, you have this evolution that you are intended to go on to, to keep thriving and to keep, a, for your soul to keep evolving. So I believe that our soul lives on after death and stuff, mm -hmm. after our body dies. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that oftentimes, or maybe every time, that parents and, and kids, they have, like, this karma that they need to work out amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, this whole everything that you went through with your mom like your mom went through it too mm -hmm. and it might have been kind of upsetting to her too you know what i mean mm -hmm. to be on the other end of and having to face it like facing that she did that like mm -hmm. that couldn't have been easy well that's exactly right you know it was it was just as real for me as it was for my mom mm -hmm. it was very real for the both of us now it was different like my experiences were were you know what some might call traumatic okay but for her it was just like she's trying to do the best that she can to save me and that's very positive so i'm looking at it negatively because i'm like okay so why are you waking me up at two o'clock in the morning why are you sneaking into my room and i'm waking up to your presence kneeling by my bed <laughs> praying she would do that like often i was always woken up by something i never had like a steady sleep i never had um rest i i was always woken up by something if it was not like a nightmare it was an actual person coming into my room a stranger if it was not a stranger it was my mother kneeling down near my bed praying two three four five in the morning when were, when were you sleeping mom you need to rest too yeah you know what i'm saying and that's also like you're depriving yourself of what you need so your mind is already yeah. in this vulnerable state because you're you're tired yeah and that's sleep is imperative that's kind of like psychotic behavior yes you know yeah exactly to be up all night praying by your daughter's bed like yeah that's i know and you know and, and i and i've and i've said it and i and i talk about it a little bit in my book and i i always and i've told this to my mom even though we both went through this it was emotional it was up it was down it was negative it was positive it was all these things for me, it, it might have been traumatic, and for me, it was it was bad. Every time I tell a story to somebody, they're always either crying or they're upset. Or they're like, I don't understand. Like, how could this happen? But if I could do it all again, if I could be born again, if I could if I could consciously be born to a set of parents, I would be born to my mother again, and I would go through this over and over again because it's important that I learn it, that she learns it, and this story needs to take place so that other people can see that. You can move mountains, you can. You can you can have this this hope and this ability to change who you are. And like, you know, my mom is, is a really good example of that. And I feel like, you know, there's times where 
like when I when when we talk about it, sometimes like you know we joke about it, right? Because like now you have to laugh or you're just slitting your throat. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> so like sometimes I'll be like, hey, so if I don't go and do this, are you gonna like pray for me? You know, so like it'll it'll be that yeah. thing. But she grew so much, and even if she's the one person in this religious world that grew, that's enough. But she has to be that inspiration for other people too, because I couldn't tell you how many times. I hear of like, you know, my mom is Christian, so she doesn't accept me. My dad is is whatever, and so they're not going to go to my wedding. It's like we're wasting time. We're wasting time. We only have a selected period of time on this earth, and we don't even know how long it's going to be. We, we hope that we live until we're 80, 90, 100. We hope. Yeah. But even then, you, you never know. People Literally. are taken every single day. Yeah. That could be me. That could be my mom. That could be whatever. And we don't have time to waste because of a, an indifference. Yeah. Because you are too arrogant to see that, you know what, my daughter is gay. Who gives a shit? Because you are too, uh, I don't know, egotistical to say, well, my son is marrying a man. I, I don't understand that. You don't have to understand it. You don't even have to like it, but you have to respect it and be kind. That's what's important. Yeah. And people just waste time. And that's why I'm saying, like, it's okay for you to, you know, for you to say, all right, dad, sorry, but you know what? I can't talk to you because you make me feel really bad all the time and it's just not worth it. Hey, you know what, mom? Um, I realize that this is very hard for you, but I'm not going to change. So until you can, then you and I shouldn't talk to each other. Hey, brother, I love you. We have the same parents who grew up together, but you know what, man? If you can't get on board with me, you and I cannot jive. It's okay to say those things. It is. And some people just have this, like, they just, like, they can't, you know, but... Yeah. And then the other, like, kind of cool thing is, like you said, your so your mom's been on this whole journey, her own whole journey, and now it's gotten her to this place where, you know, she's is accepting. So she can be a model for other, maybe, mm. you know, moms who yeah. are, were raised... Because your mom was operating from her upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, so she, she had to, like, learn, like you said, she had to learn all these lessons. So it's, like, it's this archetypal example of, like, you know, yeah, I'm, I feel like I might be repeating myself, but just other fundamentalist moms out there yeah, for who, sure, who yeah. are, like, they can't, they can't, uh, uh, what's the word, like, resolve the tension between their religion and life, like, mm-hmm. you know, just the people around them and whatnot, and it's, like... Uh, when did this occur like this change in your mom did, was it a gradual change or was it did it like something happen um actually i know the exact day so i was i was sitting downstairs my mom lived in a two-story home and she had a friend named norma her and norma were very similar but norma was a lot more liberal you can tell that she was okay. and norma's liberalism like her 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 liberal ways came from this this life that she had that was that, that was not interrupted by these um uh what's the word i'm looking for like it wasn't interrupted by anything abnormal like my mom's okay so like i feel like my mom grew up religious but she dove deeper into religion because of me because she needed to find a way to save me norma didn't have that okay norma had like regular kids who were straight and whatever interesting so i remember um it was later on, I think I was like around 18, and I was dating this girl, we'll call her Kay. Okay. And um, every time I, I dated a girl, it was always in secret, always. And that was incredibly annoying and very depressing, and, and they always ended up breaking up with me every single time because I could only do so much. And so I was always just like left, you know, just like, hey, dude, 
you're hot and you're great in bed, but I gotta go. You know what I mean? It was like one of those things. Damn. And so it was like, you know, very, um, very limited, okay? And yeah. so... So that's what happened with A. That's what happened with A, yeah. yeah. And that's what happened with the girl after that, and then we have K now. Yeah. That's not really what they would say. They wouldn't say I was good in bed. They would just be like, hey, dude, I'm out. Right between the lines. Yeah, it was like, um, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm just trying to make myself feel better. Um, but, you know, it was, it, was always, it was always like that. And so I was at this breaking point with K where I was able to talk to her limited, like, you know, limited amount of time. The weekends would come, and I wouldn't have a lot of freedom. Um, we did go to school together. I was a... Maybe I was a little younger because I, I really think that I was a sophomore in high school when I met Kay. And we were together for about a, maybe like a year and a half at this point. They always, they always stayed, they stuck around for a little while. And I was always thankful for every day that they gave me. I really was. Because, you know, that, like I said, like that was my window to my own reality, you know. So I was able to talk to them and, and, and open up to them. And I was always so thankful for that, you know. Like they were able to give me the love that I was looking for, you know. And sometimes you don't have that. Sometimes you, ha- you have to fake it and date guys or if you're, you know, gay, date, you know, whatever. But like, you know, you kind of had to fake it. And so um, this ability was like always... How did you cope then with the breakup, though? Because I imagine that's not well. probably pretty painful. Not yeah. well at all. I would always like dive into this depression. Um, I remember my very first breakup was very dark. I had like suicidal thoughts. Um, I attempted suicide. It was very, very dark for me. Um, and it, it And it wasn't just because I was like... It was like a regular breakup where you get sad. Like I lost a lot of things, you know, like... Because I, again, like it wasn't healthy, but I put all of these things into this one person because they're all I had. Like that I couldn't. That was something that was kind of you were backed into that corner. Yeah, exactly. Didn't like have you know, any other outlet. Yeah, like I didn't have friends that understood, so so she was my friend. I didn't have you know the ability to like express myself sexually, so she was that. Like you know, like every single thing that you could think of. Like even yeah. talking to somebody about like my parents making me upset was always so emotional, you know, because it was, it was deeper than what it really was. It wasn't just my mom mad at me because I didn't clean my room. It, it, it was a lot deeper than that. Yeah. You know, so like I didn't have like my brother to talk to because I would get so emotional. He'd be like, why are you so mad just about a room? Like, I don't get it. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, so anyway, back to Norma. So I was sitting down, um, downstairs. My mom was getting ready upstairs because her and Norma were about to leave to go somewhere together. And, um, Normal rang the doorbell. My mom was up. I was down. I answered the door, um, and she saw that I had been crying. Like, I was, like, emotional. But my mom didn't notice because she was upstairs, and I had just gotten off the phone with Kay, and her and I had argued about, like, you know, me not being able to see her and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, dude, like, I really wish that what you're talking to me about is something I could change. Because if I could change it, and it was something that I agreed with, then I would change, you know? Yeah. But So... My, my normal was like, what's wrong? And then I was like, oh, nothing. You know, like I was trying to like play it off like, hey, what's up? But you could, you know, you could see, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, no, nothing. And she goes, are you sure? Like, do you want to talk about it? I was like, no. And, you know, just please don't say anything to my mom. Like, I'll be totally fine by the time you guys leave. Like, just, you know. Um, and so I can see in Norma's eyes that she wanted to help some way. She wanted to do something. And there had been a couple conversations between her and my mom about me being gay. And she and Norma knew that, like, this was a challenge, if you will. And, um, you know, so I remember, you know, this was like, you know, obviously, like, 
an issue for my mom. And so I was downstairs. Norma went upstairs to meet with my mom. And a couple minutes later, she had um, yelled for me to bring something to her. Norma did. And I was like, this bitch, she knows. <laughs> like, I'm emotional, right? Yeah. So I go upstairs. I bring it to her. I put it on my mom's bed and I leave. And my mom was like, wait, come here. And so I think Norma had said, like, hey, your daughter's crying downstairs, dude, just so you know. When I was like, I told your ass not to say nothing, you know, but like, whatever. So, um, so I look at my mom and she sees that I was emotional and, um, and, and Norma goes, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. And um, I was like, don't worry about it. And I, and I go to leave. And my mom goes, I know what's wrong. And so I kind of stop and Norma was like, well, what is it? What's wrong? And she goes, um, Mona's in love with a girl and I won't meet her. I won't get to know her and I won't allow her to date her. And like, I had never even known that my mom knew about K. Like she knew about A, you know, whatever, because like that, like she found the notebooks, but I did my very best. And I don't even think that she really knew who she was as a, as a person, but she knew that this was existed in my life because this was a pattern right yeah i dated somebody she found out she was she did everything she could to keep me away from them yeah and so i turned around and i was like yeah that's true and it's sad that you know it and you're just letting it happen for real and um so you know i went downstairs and then as they were about to leave my mom was like um she was okay mona i'll meet your girlfriend and then she left that was it like it wasn't like okay bye it was just like okay Mona I'll meet your girlfriend and then they left and then you know like they stayed out they did dinner or whatever they did and I went to sleep the next day um I was doing a couple things around the house and then I get a phone call from Kay and she goes hey um I'm just at work right now I was like oh cool um and she goes your mom came to pay me a visit I was like, what? what? So number one, how do you know where she works? Like, yeah. dude, my mom is a spy or something. Like, Damn, she's crazy, dude. okay? Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> what? And so she goes, um, she goes, so your mom walks up to me at work and she says, I don't accept this, but I love my daughter. And I don't know what to do. So I'm here. And... That's God, it. Awkward. Yeah, super awkward. <laughs> really just fucking raw. Kay's like, not, like, dude, I'm working right Yeah, Kay's now. like, dude, I work at Old Navy. I'm folding clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you leave or warn me? Like, but my mom's intrusive like that. Like, yeah. she's got something to say. She's going to just say it, you know? I, apparently. And so... <laughs> Um, so after that, my mom, like, you know, like, in the afternoon came home and she goes, you know, so I met your girlfriend and I was like, great. <laughs> that's the thank you you know and then and it wasn't like i accept you now it was like i met her and that's my mom's first step that was her first step. okay that was her first step and i was i think like 17 or 18 i think i was 17 at the time and so you can tell that like every few months it would just gradually she would do something else like she would say well you know like if we're gonna go here if you want to invite her you can cool and then it would be like you know, okay, well, we're going to go to dinner for your brother's birthday. You can bring her if you want to. It was like just small, like small steps that happened over large periods of time. Yeah. And then eventually when Kay and I broke up, 
you know, I was single or whatever, and I never, like, talked about, you know, like, the whole dating world with my mom, because that would be a whole new, th- it's, it's even weird to me, okay? and I'm like, dude, I don't know how to explain this. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like to talk about my yeah. stuff with my parents. Yeah, you know, and then, um, you know, but then, then gradually it just became this, this sort of thing where I let my mom take it at her pace. I wasn't ever, like, demanding, I wasn't like, well, how come you don't, like, it was never like that. Like if I had somebody that I was dating and my mom kind of felt it and she wanted that introduction and cool, it was always on her, her time because she I was at, show up to their place. Of she would just be like, Hey dude, I'm at your house. Like invite me for dinner, make me a sandwich. Talk about, yeah. She just like, she's like intrusive. No, not really, but you know what I mean? Like I let it be on her time because, yeah. because I, at that time during those, those stages, I kind of like, took steps back from my mom and from my family Mm -hmm. and I was just doing me and so if you were getting on this train with me Mm -hmm. you take a seat where you want yeah as close to me or as further away as you want to that was kind of the vibe that I was getting like when you mentioned that you're now you're 17 18 so you're kind of you've had a couple relationships Mm -hmm. now so you're kind of like you have more of an idea of like who you are and how you navigate the world and stuff so that kind of that coincides nicely that it, you know the same time you're really coming into yourself and your mom is like showing a little bit of malleability and probably the strength that you were carrying into the world probably was like partially what kind of like magnetized her to want to be a part of that mm-hmm. and it's interesting she said i don't she said i don't accept this yeah i, I don't accept this for my daughter yeah, yeah. and Which i think that's kind of offensive but. no dude 100 <laughs> but you know what like and, and and it wasn't like my mom was never trying to be complimentary she was never trying not to be offensive she was just real yeah and she was like you know what like i don't accept this today but eventually i might hmm. and it was very real that way it was very cool. she does because she realizes like I, today she does because she realizes like i have to move forward or I'm not moving at all, but yeah. but Mona's moving, right. and if and if I'm not moving and Mona is, then it's gonna be too late. You know, in ten years she's gonna be so far away from me, she's not even gonna care. And that's what's happening with my dad. And it's hard for my mom to get that because my mom is like, well, you forgave me, can you forgive him? It's a whole different ball game, mm-hmm. a whole different ball game. Yeah. But you know that that's that's kind of where we stand today. And my mom is is accepting and understanding and there's still some things that you know she says where i'm like dude that's inappropriate like you can't say that <laughs> but it's almost like laughable we just laugh at it you know we're just yeah. like okay like that that's my mom like she's just kind of savage that's her personality that's yeah. her personality <laughs> she's, a she's a total savage beast <laughs> what did you say jalapeno pepper she's a talking jalapeno pepper 100 <laughs> percent. that's it man. and she was at your wedding she walked me down the aisle she walked you down the aisle yeah. that's beautiful yeah yeah um, I think that's a that's a great spot to end the story. Yeah. Yeah, your mom walked you down the aisle. You're happily married. Yep. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. Got three little doggies. Three little doggies, little yeah. dog babies. That's it, man. Um, yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and everything. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's just very, very inspiring. So. Of course. Yeah, of course. I, I can move out of the abyss and anyone else can too. For sure. Yeah. Um, you are starting your own podcast. Yes, I am. Do you want to talk about that at all? Um, sure. Well, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in the beginning stages of it. Um, it's going to be called The Exorcism of Us. Nice. Um, kind of like, and it's going to be, you know, really basically about like some of my experiences, what I learned from them and how they can translate to other people and what they go through. It's, it's just hopefully going to be um, an inspirational way for some people who are going through these same struggles 
uh, to learn from what I did and how they can incorporate that into their life, you know, because that's all we have is our experiences and how we learn from each other. And it's important that we share those stories. Absolutely. You know, so. When you, uh, the exorcism of us, are you kind of including the listener in that? Like, because we're, we're all sort of like... Um, like uh, exercising our demons. We're exercising our demons. Every yeah, day. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 literally yeah. So it's us, meaning myself and the listener, and you know anybody, and you know. So like when I, uh, when I kind of think about the title, the exorcism of us, I think about the day that I had my first exorcism, and how I know that I wasn't the only one that was affected that day. My mother was also affected, and I think that oh, that interesting. that kind of plays into her changes and how she evolved. Because that day, it was like she was exercising her own demons that were making her feel like I was wrong, you know. And so, but it's yeah. ve- it's very inclusive of everybody because. We all have to be real and understand that we suffer from something. Yeah. You know, if it's being closed-minded, if it's being, you know, homophobic, it's being whatever, we can all grow and learn from that. And so... I think that's... That is so profound because what that suggests is, and I think this is true, is that when there is a situation where prejudice is happening, so there's person A is being prejudicial towards person B, the traditional mythos of that situation is person B is like the victim or whatever with the prejudice, mm-hmm. but in reality, the person who is executing the prejudice is just as much of a victim. Oh, of course. Because yeah. they're, they're almost victimizing themselves karmically, they're, they're alienating themselves. Like, if you are racist, you are a victim of your own racism as much as, and this kind of falls apart because it's different, obviously, like for sure. people who actually experience, like they get pulled over by a cop and the cop's racist, like yeah, it's a different course, thing. But yeah. from like a kind of like psycho- psychological, psychoanalytic perspective, like that's really, really profound. I've never really kind of thought about it like that. Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that, you know, it even sparks the mind of one person. You know, if it helps one person, uh, you know, then that, that's the whole goal of it. You know, it's, it's a lot about expression and being transparent and the things that we all go through. And because of the dynamic in the cultures that I grew up in, you know, you go through things culturally that some people who are Middle Eastern or Hispanic would be able to say, you know what, yeah, like she gets that. And, yeah. and it's hard. It's, it's, it's difficult to come from culture, come from religion and still have your own identity. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, you're kind of you're like a nexus point for all these very different uh, yeah. worldviews. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's good and bad, you know. Yeah. And if you if you kind of develop that strength over time, then you you allow it to to play with you, and it's it's a positive thing. But you know, sometimes if if it can get overwhelming, and that's how people get lost, and they don't know what steps to take, and they don't know how to handle you know this inequality that they experience, you know. For so. sure. And um, as soon as you publish your first episode, um, when it goes up on Apple Podcasts and it's available on all the other platforms, I'll definitely let all my listeners know. Um, I'll put it in the comments and everything. And um, and then you're also, you've written a book or you're working on a book? Yeah, I'm working on a book. Um, thank you for, for that, by the way, with the podcast. I'm working on a book. It's, um, it's still very much in the works. I have an editor uh, who... It takes her time with some things, and so um, once that well, once that's available, you know, then of course we can talk a little bit about that and then get that out too. How long is the book going to be? Uh, page-wise, mm-hmm. uh, like around 200 pages. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. I just, you know, expression of self is important. You know, you kind of have to get you know your story out, and 
um, you know, I think uh, I think that this this has helped me as much as it's hopefully going to help someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how we move the culture forward. That's it, man. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. All right, everyone, we're going to sign off. Uh, thank you for listening. Much love and stay tuned for Mona's podcast, The Exorcism of Us. Thank you. Peace. everybody thanks so much again for tuning into the podcast thank you again to mona morsi for sharing her story and for being here with us and i hope you enjoyed this three-parter um i think probably next episode is going to be a solo mishmash again so uh that'll be fun hopefully it'll be fun it'll be fun for me hopefully it'll be fun for you and um as always uh i'm on instagram at conan tanner i'm on facebook barbarian noetics with conan tanner I'm available on a variety of podcast playing platforms. If you Google Barbarian Noetics with Conan Tanner, uh, it'll first pop up on Apple Podcasts, but then it'll also pop up on uh, more podcast platforms than I can even mention. And I'm kind of slowly building profiles of all these platforms. It just takes time. But uh, what I'm trying to say is you can listen many, many ways. And uh, anytime you listen on a new platform, if you would just um, rate, review, and subscribe, it, that's like the number one way that I can help, that you can help me grow the podcast if that's something you want to do. And of course, as always, if you want to be my creative dominatrix and wield the righteous belt of artistic merit, if you'd like to lash and flog me when I fail to satiate your infinitely discerning tastes, you can also become my patron by going over to Patreon, www.patreon.com slash noetics. And you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month and you get little uh, exclusive audio tidbits, thoughts, stories, whatnot. And you can cancel it at any time. All right, uh, see you next time. Peace out. Thank you.